Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9. And today is Friday's podcast. And today that means Philip is with us on the podcast. Philip, I missed you last week. You and Devin did a great job. I miss being with you. How are you today? Doing fine. Enjoy doing that with Devin. He's, he's all right, Devin. We might keep him around a little bit longer. We'll think about it. Devin, maybe he can bring it up on a podcast later. He's become this kind of rustic man, building objects in his backyard and all that. He might want to talk about that to y'all one day, but I'm glad to be back with you, Philip. And uh, we've got a, gr- a great passage to look at. Philip has, as usual, some excellent insight. You're going to learn a lot today. I want to go in and read and get us started, and we'll jump into some, some just some interpretation here and things that we can take away. Once again, this is 2 Samuel 9. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Zaba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Zaba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, that there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him. Zaba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Zaba said to the king, He is in the house of Machar, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you would show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you or your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce, that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servants, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. Now, Philip, we notice a lot of times just this radical kindness of David. You know, you've mentioned this before in another podcast that David was not squeamish at all. When he had to kill someone, he could do it. He had no problem with that. In the ancient world, there was no peaceful transfer of power like in our presidency in the United States. If another king took over, you wiped out the entire household of the competing kingdom before. And David had every right under ancient law and the ways of looking at things to, to wipe out the house of Saul. But he shows this kindness to Mephibosheth. And later, you're going to come back and, and close us out with that idea of this covenant love kindness. It's a little bit different than we might think instead of it just being some type of contract. But, Philip, before we came on, you were talking about some historical connections here that I just found fascinating. 
like lines running through 2 Samuel that we're going to pick up later. Do you mind elaborating on some of those historical connections? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, here's a chapter that deals with uh, David showing kindness because of the covenant with Jonathan. And if you just read that passage, you maybe miss some underlying things that are going on. I, I think we ought to point out that uh, uh, Ziba has evidently been managing the king's property. And since there's nobody else left around, but Ziba, Ziba's evidently been living as if he were the descendant of the king. And now David is, is saying, uh, do we have somebody else still around? And Ziba knows that Jonathan's son is alive, but he's not done anything to go get to go get chef and bring him back and put him in his rightful place. And so uh, David said, well, let's, let's go get him. And he's staying in, in, this, uh, in this town with a, with a sort of strange, a sort of strange name, and uh, when you look when you look up this town, uh, Lodabar is is just a, a, a we would call it Podunk, <laughs> our language today. It's the, the word actually means there's nothing to eat, or uh, the, there's no substance here. Uh, we we would call it a nothingless town. It's just there's nothing to it. Yeah, uh, maybe a wide spot in the road, less than one, tra less than one traffic light or whatever. But it's just there's nothing going on there. And where do, do we find Jonathan's son? But in this city, that by its very name is worth nothing. He, he's hiding in a place where you wouldn't expect to find him because it's down at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. And uh, years later. Israel and, and Judah, when they've separated, Israel will decide to attack Judah, uh, attack their own brethren, and they do, and they capture a city, and lo and behold, it's the city of Lodabar, and they're really bragging about how they've invaded Judah and, and all this stuff, and the prophet comes along and says, what are you talking about? <laughs> you invaded nothing, <laughs> because that was the meaning of the town. You, you've accomplished nothing. You've invaded a city called nothing, and you got nothing. So I think that's kind of interesting about where Shibboleth uh, is, is staying. So anyway, uh, David then takes Ziba and and turns him into a servant to Shibboleth, and uh, he doesn't say anything. Ziba doesn't, but obviously, this is eating at him. And so later, when David is chasing Absalom, and his men are weary, and they're hungry, and they're everything, the morale is low, who shows up with Ziba with this uh, caravan of goods? And he feeds David and gives him all this stuff, and David says, wow, this is nice. Of course, he thinks this came from Mephibosheth. And he says, but, but where's, your, where's your master? Where's Mephibosheth? And he said, oh, well, no, as soon as you left, he, he said, this is going to work out good because you're going to be destroyed. He's going to get to be king again. And, of course, David is incensed that Mephibosheth would turn on him like that after all he's done. And so he says, all right, from now on, everything that he owned is now yours. You own it all. And then later, when they go back, 
Mephibosheth is sitting right where he was left by David. And David says, well, what's going on here? What, what, why did you come out? And he said, oh, you've, uh, you've been deceived. I never, I never said any of that. I'm just happy that you're alive. That's all that matters to me. So David realizes that he was lied to by Zilf. And uh, but he's given Ziba, I mean Ziba, but he's given Ziba the all of the possessions. So his decision is, he said, I'll tell you what, I'll just give him half and you half. And that's how that story ends, which is a little bit on the strange. It's put on the strange side. But I think you uh, you have to go back to the last part of the previous chapter where we're told that uh, in dealing with all of these descendants and, and all of the enemies that were involved, we're told that David dealt justly. He dealt with justice and equity. He, he, uh, he did the right thing when he had the power to do anything he wanted, he could have cleaned the slate entirely. But it, in spite of the fact, as you mentioned, that he was a man of blood, and later he'll be, that'll be thrown in his face again and again, that, you're, that he was a man of blood. Here, he takes a totally different approach. And I think that's par a powerful lesson for us if we transpose it to today's terms, yeah. to what's happened for us. And Philip, as we look at this, um, so many people will see covenant and see contract. They'll see like a legal proceeding, but this is not so much like that. This is a covenant of love. And you had talked about that a little bit about that, that loving covenant. How does that mirror our relationship with God today. Well, I, I think we find ourselves in the same position of Saul's family and that we're the ones who have rejected God and rejected his way. Uh, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God made a covenant and uh, God, God keeps his covenant even in spite of the fact that we don't. And so here is a, Here's Mephibosheth, he's crippled and he's hiding in Podunk. And, and uh, he, he's just afraid of his life. When he, when, they, when he has to come before David, he's like, I know this is the end, you know. He's terrified. And that's how we would be if God dealt with us according to what we've done. But the difference is God so loved us that he created a covenant with us. We, we may realize that this is a covenant, but you have to understand that the covenant is a product of love. He didn't have to create that covenant. We didn't come to him and say, hey, God, can we make a covenant with you? No, he said, I'm making a covenant with you because I love you. So I'll make this covenant and I keep my covenant. So therefore, uh, you have an opportunity to eat at my table. As I mentioned earlier, see, the big part of this passage in chapter 9 is the end results of what happens when David brings Mephibosheth back. Now, what he could have done is said, okay, you're all right. You go back to your father's house uh, 
everything will be like it was before and I won't have to see you again. I won't be reminded of anything. So you just, you just going back, you and Ziba. But he didn't. He says to Ziba, you're going to farm and take care of all the property of Mephibosheth and give it to him. Not that he needs it because he's going to sit at my table. And that's what God has done for us. All things are ready. Come to the feast. Uh, we have a table prepared before us. And, and, and so what God has done is not just said, okay, I'll forget what happened. He said, come to the table. We get to come, we get to sit at the table. We're, we're not just forgiven. We're not just not held accountable. We're sitting with the sons of the king at the king's table. Man, that's big. Yeah, it is. We're like adopted children. Like David. Yeah, which is kind of like what Mephibosheth was. That's what David did. He said, you're, you're going to sit at my table as if you were Jonathan. Yeah. As if you were my son. But yep. he could have just said, okay, all right. We'll call it even. You go your way. I'll go mine. And, and that's not God's way either. God just doesn't say, okay, well, we're even, Stephen. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. No, he, he wants, he calls us into his house. He wants us to live in his house. He wants us to sit at his table. He wants us to be his children. And everything he has is ours. But it, it's not just because... It, I think you make a mistake if you just see covenant in this as if it were a law. God has to do it because there's a covenant. What you have to say is, why is there a covenant? Why did Jonathan and David make a covenant? It was because of love. Yeah, that's what started the whole thing. Yeah, it's because of love. And why has God made this covenant with me and you? Is it because of anything we did? No. Is it because we asked for it? No. Was God just feeling nice on one day? No, God loved us so much that he made a covenant that cost his son so that we could sit at his table. That's a very powerful lesson. That's awesome. That's an awesome lesson. And I think if we take anything from this passage, that's the one thing to take with us as we contemplate. Uh, how this applies to us and what Jesus has done for us, that he loved us and formed this covenant God did and sent his son. And now we're his children. We sit at his table. He wants us to be in his house. He's the hound of heaven. He doesn't leave us alone at all. Philip, once again, this has been awesome. Uh, awesome insight. And um, I don't think I'll look at this passage again the same. <laughs> I don't think I will. Uh, I've thought about it from that perspective before about, the kindness that, that David displayed to, to Mephibosheth, but there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot more deep stuff going on here. So much intrigue and historical connections, but also just the radical love uh, that mirrors, kind of foreshadows what we're going to see at the cross and what Jesus did for us. I want to uh, say, say thank you for this today. Uh, I'll, I'll say it for everybody else that are li that's listening. Thank you, Philip, for this insight. Well, I, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed looking at the passage with you, and I always enjoy the history part because I'm a I'm a historian by nature, and 
I just like the history around this town. That's nothing good comes out of it like Nazareth. Yeah. Yet some a great story comes out of this place that uh, is nothing deal. Yeah. And the man who lives there later, when David's out chasing Absalom, and he's about to pass out, he shows up near Lodabar, and the next thing you know, this guy that that oh, had shows up in his house is feeding. Yeah, well, Mac here shows back up again. Prompted that. Yeah, it could be this love that David showed, the kindness. I think that's it. That yeah. that he knew he had that Jonathan's son, and he was hiding. And when David took him away, he could have said, ooh, the worst thing's going to happen now. And the best thing happened. Yeah. Who had ever thought that? We don't think like that, do we? The best thing. No, we don't. And so when David came in need, he said, it's my chance to pay back. It's my chance to do good. These names are, whenever you see names in the Bible, they're not throwaway. They're they're. The reason Mac here is mentioned again is you need to pay attention. There's a reason. It goes back to this story. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Philip, I love you, brother. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope our, our, our listeners have a great weekend. God bless until next week. What do you think? Yes, sir. All right, friend. You have for the people in the storm. Oh, yeah. We, I hope everyone's praying for the people of Louisiana and Texas right now because they are this morning got pummeled pretty hard, Lake Charles and places like that. So please pray for those people. I'm sure there'll be chances to serve coming up. Hope so. God bless you, Philip. God bless you. See you this weekend, maybe. Yes, sir. Well, bye-bye to our listeners till Monday in our song.